or excuse me, Luke chapter number two. Luke chapter number two this morning. The title of the message is A Christmas Carol this morning, and you'll see from the Word of God right out of the pages of what oftentimes we call the Christmas story. And for years we read this uh, when our children were little on Christmas Day. And just two verses this morning uh, that we'll look at as we get into the message, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. You ever ask yourself, what is Christmas really all about? I know a lot of people don't really understand what Christmas is. But this morning through this portion, you'll see the true meaning of Christmas. And let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for what you have done many years ago. Lord, as your son came to this world, he did not begin in Bethlehem's manger. He has always existed because Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. And as he came, he lived, and then he gave his life that we could have eternal life. And today we serve a risen Savior, one that is alive today, that is seated at the right hand of God. Now, Lord, this morning help us to see what Christmas is really all about. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. To help us understand this, I've asked the guys to show a, just a brief video of someone that kind of puts Christmas into perspective. Guys, would you show that this morning? See, if, if they could tell Charlie Brown what Christmas is really all about, then certainly God's word is clear to us today. You look at these verses that we read this morning, verse 13 and 14, especially verse number 14, oftentimes it's referred to as one of our things that we sing about at Christmas time. You see, a carol is something defined as a hymn or a song that's themed about Christmas. One of the songs that we we will sing, I think even maybe tonight, is the song, The First Noel. 
And that, that song, the first Noel, the Bible uh, makes it clear, and the songwriter then took those words, and he wrote down, the first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields as they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. He goes to the chorus of that and writes, Noel, 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 born is the king of Israel. And that word Noel is a word that is, it means a shout for joy. It actually is something that they would use specifically for the birth of the Christ child. So Luke 2.14 that we read this morning where the Bible says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, that's oftentimes been referred to as the first Christmas poem or a Christmas carol. The, the Bible describes here there were angels glorifying God at the birth of His Son, our Savior. Now, you know, they, they claim, some theologians have studied it out, some people say that they believe that, that God created the angels, and of course we understand that everything that was created was created by God, but they say that when God created the angels and then God created man, that the angels were jealous of mankind and as a result of that, there was always uh, kind of bickering and arguing going on. Now, we understand heaven is a, a place where there is no sin, where there is no argument, where there's no strife. But certainly when we see the Christmas story, the Bible says that these angels at the birth of God's own dear son, they were glorifying God for his Savior. There was no envy there among those angels. There was no jealousy that was there. There was no desire on their part for attention to themselves. As a matter of fact, all the attention belongs to the one to whom Christmas is all about, to Jesus and Him alone. You see, the Christmas story is a scene of pure, unadulterated praise. And notice that it is, first of all, a carol of praise. You think about what it says here, glory to God in the highest. Uh, there's a lot of people who say, well, listen, I just want to praise God. When good things happen, they say, let's praise God. What is praising God? It's giving honor and thanks to the one who is worthy. The Bible says in Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Now, if you're alive today, if you're breathing, according to the word of God, you and I should praise the Lord. Many times people want to be praised. Instead of praising the Lord, it's like the the uh, the boy's grandfather who told him. He said, "He said, listen, I want to tell you something. There are two kinds of people in this world." He says, "There are those who do the work, and there are those that take the credit." He told his grandson, "He says you need to be try to be in that first group, the ones that do the work." He says, "Because there is much less competition in that group." In other words. Most people want to be praised. They don't want to do the work. And when you think about Christmas time, it's a carol of praise because, first of all, the person of praise. The Bible says, glory to God. Now, listen, it's not about us. Christmas isn't about presence. It's about His presence. We need to understand that God is the person that we should be praising. The Bible says in Romans 13, Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, praise, excuse me, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so as you think about us, you and I, 
we are not perfect people, are we not? You and I, we are imperfect. We are sinners saved by the grace of God. And if we are going to praise anyone, we should not praise one another. All praise should be directed towards God. And that's what the angels were doing. They were praising the one who is perfect. You know why? Because he alone is worthy of absolute praise. You remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he said this to his disciples? He says, be therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You see, God is the only one. Jesus Christ was without sin. He was the sinless Son of God, and He is the one that is worthy of our praise. And so we see the purpose of this, excuse me, the person of praise is that we should give glory to God. But secondly, notice the purpose of the praise. It says, glory to God in the highest. What were those angels doing on that Christmas morn? They were praising God. Listen, I think they were praising God because of what we oftentimes refer to as the incarnation of God's own dear son. That's when he became Jesus Christ, God became a man. Uh, he, he became a man without ceasing to be God. He was the God-man, and they were praising him. The Bible says in John 1:14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the angels were praising God because of Jesus who had come to this earth. But notice, we also see not only the angels, but God's own creation praises him. Look what the Bible says in the Old Testament, Psalm 19. Look at the words here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them, he, God, has set a tabernacle for the sun. You see, even God's creation praises him. The angels praised him. God's creation praised him. Hey, you think about what were they praising God for? God created this world, folks, out of nothing. There was nothing here. That inspires me every time I read Hebrews 11:3. Through faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The Bible says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Dr. R.B. Olette said his creation showed his competence, but his incarnation shows his compassion. Creation demonstrates his power. His incarnation demonstrates his pity. Aren't you glad that as we look at this Christmas story that we understand it is a carol of praise? Praising the one who deserves our, our praise and our worship. And also we understand the purpose of this carol is because it is glory to God in the highest for what he has done for us. See, it's a carol of praise, but notice secondly, it's also a carol of peace. The Bible says, and on earth, peace. 
goodwill toward men. Now, we know if you study the Bible that since God created man, by the way, God creates, when God created everything in this world, there's a phrase you find in the early uh, chapters of the book of Genesis in the creation passage where it says, and God saw that it was good. It just keeps saying that over and over again. You know why? Because God doesn't make anything bad. Everything man touches, he tends to pollute it, to destroy it. But we understand from the passage dealing with God and man, and then he placed man in what we know as the Garden of Eden. That God told man, you can have anything you want except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. And what did man do? He sinned. He disobeyed God. And as a result of that, from that point on, there has not been peace on this earth. There was a, God set up a cherubim there to guard uh, the, 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 the entrance into this garden, lest man would eat of that tree and live forever in his fallen state. And so when you come to Luke chapter 2, which is many hundreds and thousands of years later, here's what you find the angels saying is that now, because of God, now listen to me, because of God, His goodness, His grace, His mercy, you find that the angels are saying to us that there is an opportunity, finally, for peace on this earth. And when you think about this opportunity, the Bible says, on earth, goodwill toward men. Now, what do we see when you think about this being a carol of peace? I see what the Bible describes as a present peace. Look what the Bible says here in Romans 5 and verse 1. Great verse if you're saved today. Look at this. Therefore, being justified by faith. Anybody saved this morning? Yeah. I pray that you know Christ as your Savior. But the Bible says that if we are saved or we are justified by faith, look what it says. We have peace with God. Well, how does that peace come? Through our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. See, it's because of Jesus. I read a true account years ago on Christmas Day in 1863. Many of you have heard the name Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. At that time, he was 57 years old. He was a widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had been nearly paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself, that Longfellow wrote a poem, and in this poem, he wanted to try to capture the conflict that was going on in his own heart and that was going on in the world around him. He was observing, like we today, there's a lot of unrest. The other day, I saw right here locally that there was a, a drive-by shooting uh, just road rage, and somebody lost their life because somebody cut them off on the road in their car. There's, just, there's no peace in this world because of sin, because of the turmoil. And even in Longfellow's day, he saw that, and, and as he was thinking about wanting to write the words, he heard the Christmas bells that Christmas day, that December day, and he heard the singing of peace on earth, as described in Luke 2.14. As he thought about that, he observed the world of injustice, all the violence, how it just seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. The theme of listening, 
reoccurred throughout the poem that he wrote. Eventually, it led him to a settledness of a confident hope, even in the midst of the bleak despair of the world around him. And here's the words, some of the words that Longfellow wrote, and maybe you've heard this. He, he wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. Longfellow wrote, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the last part of that song he wrote, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's why Jesus, when he was on this earth, Jesus said these words. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Folks, I hope you know the peace of God this morning. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. God, why is some of these things happening? But yet in my heart, as in Longfellow's, I have the peace of God. As I spent five days sitting beside my wife in a hospital, I had the peace of God. Folks, whatever you're facing today, Christmas is about a present peace. But as you read those words, it's also about a prophetic peace. You see this carol that we see here in verse 14 you know what it is, if you study the Word of God, it's the promise of the millennial kingdom of God. Isaiah in the Old Testament wrote, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now, folks, we know that's not possible nowadays. But there's going to come a day in the millennial kingdom. Ezekiel said, I will make with them a covenant of peace, and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I love that word peace. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the word for peace is the word shalom. The word is one that's used in reference to an appearance of calmness, tranquility. It can be about individuals. It can be peace and tranquility of groups and even a nation. When you go to the New Testament, in the Greek language, God chose to use the word for peace is the word erene. And that particular word deals with unity and accord. It describes the New Testament church. But it goes far deeper than that. It is talking about spiritual harmony that's brought about by an individual's restoration with God. Have you been restored back to life by the Lord? Has God restored your life? Folks, listen, this carol is a carol of peace. It describes 
the millennial kingdom of God that one day Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. It's described in in Revelation chapter 20 how the devil will be bound. Hey, listen, it goes all the way back to the days of Daniel. In the Old Testament, Daniel 6, the Bible says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar said, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. When you think about Christmas time and you read the passage here in Luke 2.14, folks, it is a carol of praise. Praise to the one who deserves our praise. The reason for this season is Jesus. But we also see that it is a carol of peace. Folks, listen, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven someday. We can understand the peace of God in this present world. But one day in his millennial kingdom, there will be peace. Peace will be settled. But I want you to see that it's also a carol of potential. You see, we don't see as Longfellow, we see a lot of the injustice in this world. But when God looks, aren't you glad when God looked at you that he saw potential? You know, I think about myself, and there's nothing special about me. The only thing special about me is the God I serve. But I think about the potential goodwill toward men. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 12? Look at it. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, and that's a key phrase right there, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with how many people? All men. You know, I, I read how that uh, in 1977, this is a true account, that they had a lot of wet weather and a lot of rain. And there was a bean farmer in Ohio. Because of all the rain that they had that season, more than unusual, that he lost half of his crop that year, 1977. He was walking through the fields, and as he was thinking about the loss, unusually, as he was walking through his fields, he spotted a lone soybean plant. When he saw this plant, he was shocked by the size of this plant. On that soybean plant, there were 202 pods that contained 503 soybeans. He took them home, he dried them out in the winter. The following year, 1978, he planted those 503 beans, and from that he harvested 32 pounds of crop. He dried out that crop and he planted 32 pounds the next year, 1979. And in October, he yielded 2,000 409 pounds. He planted 2,100 bushels and he cashed them in for $15,000 from one soybean plant. Now folks, out of that, here's what God's trying to show us this morning is the potential that happened at Christmas. What God was doing, see, notice the potential of God's plan. If, folks, it was from one life, the life of God's son, Jesus, that he tells us to love as he loved. 
Folks, we, we say and we throw that word around that we love one another. I read an account of a husband and wife, and they weren't getting along. The wife, she left her husband eventually. The husband was missing her, and he didn't really know what happened to her. He called the police, and he filed a missing persons report. A few weeks later, the police found his wife. She was actually living a few counties over from where uh, she used to live, and they asked the husband, they said, if he wa- do you want to go uh, get her? Do you want us to take you to her? And by this time, the husband began to think in his mind, why would she leave the way she did? I mean, why would she just take off and go a couple counties over and have nothing to do with me? And he, he started to think about maybe how poorly he had treated his wife. So as time went on, he decided to do something. He decided to write to his wife. So for months, he took out paper and pen. He wrote her a note, wrote her a letter, tried to explain that he still loved her. He was sorry for how he had treated her. And he did that for months, but finally Christmas time came. And he was thinking about his wife and all that had happened in the months that she was gone. And so he decided that he was going to go see her. He went to the hotel where she was staying. When he got there, he noticed it was just a run-down, shabby hotel. He knocked on the door and he asked her to come home. Much to his surprise, she agreed. He was thinking to himself, wow, that was, that was pretty easy. I can't believe she just said okay. So on the drive home, it was quiet for a while, and then he said to her, he said, I've written you for months. He said, why, when I asked you, did you come home so easily? And here's what her reply was. Because those were just letters. This time you came in person. You see, God did write us, but God chose to come down to us. You see, God could have chosen any way to save us. But when I think of the potential of God's plan, you see all those animals in the Old Testament that lost their lives. The Bible says that it's not by the blood of bulls and goats but it's by the blood of His own dear Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus came in person to save us and to show us the love of God. The Bible says in John 13, look at this, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Can you love as God loved you? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, folks, I see at Christmas time that this is a carol of potential. You know why? Because of God's plan. For God so loved the world. You see, I see the potential of God's plan, and I see the potential of God's provision. You know what our greatest need was and still is? Forgiveness by God. You see, I can forgive people, but I cannot forgive people of their sins. Only God can do that. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. 
If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. The Bible says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His own dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. See, God, in forgiving us, of our sins through His dear Son. You know what God did? He made it possible for us to forgive others. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I hope this morning that you have experienced the forgiveness of God in your life. You see, God is not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. Oh, I love a good Christmas song, but this Christmas carol in Luke 2.14, it's so much more because we see that we need to praise Him because He is worthy and we need to uh, understand the peace that only He can give because He is the Prince of Peace. And we see the potential that is there. Why? Because the Bible says, peace, goodwill, toward men. The last verse of that song that I mentioned earlier, the first Noel, the last verse there in your notes, look at it. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught and with his blood mankind hath bought. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. Do you know the king today? Have you experienced God's forgiveness in your life? Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I want you to think about the potential that lies before you. The potential is not about you. It's not about how good you are. It's not about what you can do, how much money you can give. It's not even about the church you attend. It's about, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, salvation is only possible because of the person of Jesus. Do you know him today? Do you know the one that we've been singing about, the one you've been listening to about from God's word this morning? I wonder this morning by an upraised hand, you can test, give a testimony, I do know Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up this morning? I've put my faith in Jesus. What a wonderful sight. You can put your hands down. If you were not able to raise your hand just then, this is God giving you an opportunity. Just like Luke 2.14, peace. Jesus said, my peace I give you. God gave His Son that you can have eternal life, that you can have peace in your heart. If you're here this morning and you don't know Him, don't put it off. If it was Christmas morning and there was a present under the tree that had a name tag that had your name on it, you wouldn't hesitate 
you'd want to open that present. You'd want to know what was in that package. And this morning, under the tree, the present that's waiting for you that don't know Christ is Jesus. Would you accept that gift? For by grace are you saved. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I wonder this morning, if you don't know Christ, would you let someone take the Bible and show you how that you can have a home in heaven someday? Let's stand to our feet.